Hello, welcome to the GID podcast series. I'm Paris and I'll be speaking to my fellow designers about the pressing global problems that keep them up at night and the clever and creative ways they're trying to tackle them. Hi, welcome to the first episode on the GID podcast. Today I have here with me Jess Riley. Um, she's from Bedfordshire in the UK and she has a background in multimedia textiles design. She's worked for a number of years in print and surface design. She has a deep fascination with human experience and is curious to deep dive into different contexts advocating for meaningful change through design. So when I think of Jess, I think of lots of beautiful compositions of colours and materials. Um, so I'd love to hear a bit more about the project you've been working on, what's it called, and just give us a quick intro. Thank you. Okay, so yeah, um, as you mentioned, my background is in colour and materials. Um, and so this project, um, it's called Aesthetics of Place. Um, and it really, it's about exploring how we can use the colours, materials, behaviours and objects that we see in our shared spaces. Um, as a sort of a lens to explore collective cultural values and community aspirations. Um, and the idea, what I've done is turn this into a kind of design methodology um, with participatory workshop materials that help external partners get a deeper understanding, a more sensitive understanding of communities. So using this as a tool for community engagement. So why did you choose to sort of go down this avenue of um, using colour to help people better understand the environments around them. Yeah, so um, obviously my, as you mentioned, my background's in, I've always been looking at colour and materials and, and sort of thinking about how people interact with them and respond to them. And what I've found is that when I was travelling and living in Beijing as part of the course that we've just done, um, I found myself using that um, that sort of lens to understand the places I was visiting. So, for example, when we went to um, see the hutongs um, in central Beijing, I was using, I was looking at the colours people were choosing, the way people were using materials in their spaces as a kind of um, indication for the type of behaviours and the type of um, the types of values and attitudes that were kind of part of the community there, um, and. In turn, it started me thinking that okay maybe this is a way that um, if I think like this and I'm understanding a place in this way that perhaps other people can do that too and I started looking into environmental aesthetic theories um, and um, aesthetics is something that everybody experiences it's a kind of universal human reaction to the places that we live in um, and the environments that, that we experience and so I thought okay maybe this could be a tool that could be used perhaps more strategically to understand the places that we live in and also the people that we we live we share them with um, uh, and particularly the, just in terms of why I chose to do apply that to kind of the shared spaces and built environment um, type um, avenue um, is because for me the spaces that we share sort of um, together as a community they shape us but they are also shaped by us and so for me it was something it was a really kind of crucial arena that we could use and kind of play with um, to to apply this theory of whether we could use aesthetics to understand each other better. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I don't think there's anything more important than people participating in their shared spaces because it has such a huge impact on you and how you feel about other people. Um, so I think it's really, really important. Mm -hmm. I think it's really lovely that you've been able to take um, something from before the programme, like your obviously a skill of aesthetic and colour and apply it to something more people focused which I think is what design's all about 
Um, what do you think about the current context? So there's obviously lots of different things about the um, Black Lives Matter movement and everything obviously around coronavirus. How do you think that's going to impact the way that you're thinking about your project or the way that people are understanding the space around them? Yeah, I mean, I think it's been a really interesting time to kind of do this project. It, it hit, I was doing it as the coronavirus hit and it was, everything was changed very, very quickly. Um, and, but something that I've sort of noticed now on reflection is that people have a much, much higher awareness and understanding of their local place um, as a result. So people were restricted to one place and therefore they got to know it better. And the communities in that place have sort of perhaps never felt more important to some people. Um, and perhaps some people weren't as aware of their community as they are now. Um, and so for me, I think it's actually just created this really amazing opportunity for people um, to sort of have this sense of collectiveness um, and collective responsibility. Um, and I think it's really encouraging for the type of project that I'm working on um, and that I feel strongly about because I think, okay, well, maybe this is a chance for people to get involved and really shape the places that they live for the future. Um, and I, I think from my experience that this the lockdown and everything has shown people that they really are very important and, and it's something that we can change and, and perhaps we should change. Definitely. Um, I think um, also on stakeholders, I guess like when the public start to realise more about their environment and the things that are important to them that kind of like advocates for people higher up to care about these sorts of things. Like what's your experience being with stakeholder management on this project or different stakeholders that have been interested or difficult to reach out to? Or Yeah. I think the, the the industry side has been pretty um, not easy, but uh, uh, open to it because it's it's fitting into and it's building on kind of existing practices that already are there, and it's kind of um, building on them and developing them. So for that perspective, it's it's been um, it's been okay. And I think from the community aspect, it's been really really positive. Um, but um, has definitely been something that people weren't aware of before. So it's t it takes a little bit of time to um, kind of, so going through the workshop, people then understand why it's beneficial and it changes their perspective on where they, they are living. Um, but I think that f from what I've seen, there's definitely been an increase in that feeling of wanting to participate and wanting to be involved in a group and wanting to be involved in the process. So I think that um, I'm sort of hope. I, I think that this can be something um, that that is a positive kind of step towards more people being involved in it. Mm -hmm. um, I think I'm seeing sort of more appetite for it. Definitely. Um, I think it's um, a really typical debate of like in as designers we speak about things in a certain way and people don't necessarily. Yeah. know that we're talking about the same thing that they are and when you're talking yeah. about environments and cultures and community like there's so many people who are um, interested in stuff like that but maybe they're not using the same um, terminology that we are and so I think mm -hmm. like it's really interesting trying to bridge that gap of like no we're all talking about the same thing but let's try yeah. and make sure that we're on the same level um, you mentioned yeah. the workshop I'd love for you to give a bit more insight like a more tangible idea of what this workshop looks like or a workshop that you've run yeah so an example is um, it's based on the idea of using collage. So um, it's about you creating these aesthetic libraries um, based in a specific place. So taking the colours, materials, kind of behaviours and objects that we see in a particular place 
and presenting them as a library and then asking people to um, associate their values, um, their kind of cultural values that they perceive in the community to those aesthetics. And so by doing that, it's about understanding um, what aesthetics in that place, what they mean to that person and therefore what they mean to that community. And then the next step is, is turning that into a kind of what if scenario. So saying, okay, so if this is what this means now, what would this place look like if it represented um, your kind of ideal version of the future? Um, and so it's about engaging in that kind of aspirational, um, forward-looking um, aspect as well. So getting people to start thinking about how they can change that and what that might look like. Um, and then these, these outputs are collected and turned into a kind of um, summary that can then be translated for the built environment professional um, perspective so that that can then be used to potentially impact um, the strategy or the physical built uh, environment design um, to be incorporated so that the community's views are reflected um, in whatever that development is. Cool. And for anyone who hasn't seen Jess's work, she has the most beautiful postcards. They're super eye-catching. Anytime we have exhibitions, you can see these like really beautiful um, postcards that people have put together. Do you put much um, emphasis on the materials and colours that you use, or is it just a range and you let people choose from that? It's a balance, because I think what I found is if you give people too many options, it's overwhelming. If you, I don't want to restrict them too much because I know that's um, introducing too much bias. Um, so generally, I tend to sort of, so for example, the workshops I did in Singapore when we lived there, which um, you were just mentioning with the postcards, that was based on, I kind of gave people a really, a range, I think there's about 13 colours, um, quite kind of core primary colours, um, that were there to just give people the basics so that they could, um, you know, if they wanted green, they could use a green that was similar to what they meant, but they could kind of tweak it and if they needed to, they could kind of edit it or talk about it differently if they needed to. Um, so it's a balance. Um, and when I was doing this workshop for Aesthetics of Place, and I was just mentioning the aesthetic libraries, it was quite an interesting job to go through the place and select which components I was going to present to uh, to be used in the as part of workshop um, but I, t I tried to sort of be as neutral as I could be in that trying to get a really wide range of things and perspectives and not trying to lead the at the outcomes at all in any way um, but I think it, it, it's difficult because I think however many colors or options you give someone there's all, there's always going to be something that someone wants to add um, but if nothing else that's helpful because it says okay well that really means that's important to that person and so you know, I think even if it's not there represented, it at least shows that that is something that should be there. Um, and therefore, that's also helpful. Definitely. Um, and if people care yeah. enough to be asking for different colours, then that's also exactly. a really good sign. <laughs> um, I think exactly. we've all had similar experiences with like workshops. We have in our mind this amazing creative workshop that everybody's going to be really engaged with. And I think one of the key things that I've learned is that creativity often has to be structured if it's for like new mm. people that aren't used to doing the types of workshops that we're doing all day long um, and so in order to get a really key output you have to sort of give some guidelines and then give them like the safeguard yeah. to go with that. Um, Definitely. I wanted to ask you something about um, like practical workshops versus digital so obviously you share your work mm. digitally what do you think about 
people doing these similar kind of activities or thoughts I don't know whether you have done them but online rather than in person I think it's lovely to be tactile with materials but yeah I wonder what your thoughts were on that so the way that I approached this was for this project was to I did some in person um so obviously it was a physical kind of workbook that was there in front of them that they could cut up and use um the for the remote ones I sent them a pdf and asked them to print them out and so they actually had physical things to interact with in front of them and it was just a kind of remote setting um and but what I actually found was that um because I was doing it I was doing it one-on-one actually for this time um and I think this works better in one-on-one or small groups um as a process but it meant that um I was able to kind of really engage with them one-on-one whereas I think when we do practical workshops in real life sometimes because you want to get it done in one go because it's maybe costs more or time um it's time heavy to get it all set up and everything you try and get more people in at once and I think um that actually doing it one-on-one at a time that suited people was uh, more fruitful I think people were kind of more open um kind of happy to give up that time and they knew it was a set time they could do it from the comfort of their own homes and actually I think it worked a bit better than it would have done if I'd have tried mm-hmm. to set up these big uh workshops that I was actually planning to do originally so yeah I think I think there was definitely pros and cons um I think that's really nice um I know a lot of us obviously because of covid we're trying to think of ways that we can do our workshops or projects remotely and I think you could have maybe said okay let's make a digital version of this I think it's really nice that instead you've like sent them the pdf they print it out and so they're still getting the tactile experience of like rearranging the shapes and compositions and colors um but doing it remotely and I it's a really interesting one it's like obviously in order to scale a project you can't really have it too labor heavy but when it's one on one, that's when you really get the idea across and you can really have like the critical reflection discussion yeah. that you need in order to get these really heavy ideas through in really simple, creative ways. Um, yeah. And I think for people also to feel safe to be open as well, because I think I was asking people to really reflect on their personal experience of their place, which for some people was quite uncomfortable. And so for me, I, I, I saw that people were more kind of. Um, they felt safer to be able to say actually I don't think that or like yeah you know actually I've never thought about it before without that fear of kind of judgment from other people in Mm -hmm. the community which I think happens a lot at kind of group community engagement consultation um, practices definitely Um, I wanted to ask you an abstract question so what do you like how would you define aesthetic so for me when I think of aesthetic before I'm listening to your project I might just think like the look of my room or like the aesthetic of my wallpaper or something like that like how do you define it is it deeper than that yeah. so when we go so when we look at the uh, etymology of the word aesthetic it actually means um it refers to the perception of the senses and so for me um it's a sense making tool and and it's not limited to the idea of beauty which is what i think we mostly associate with it um which which comes from its kind of art theory and art history um, perspective. But I think for me, it really means um, how we see things, but how we respond to seeing those things. And um, they really have, for me, the aesthetics really have a kind of visceral impact on your behavior um, and how you think about the world and perceive the world. And so 
I see them as really kind of crucial um, as a as a language really that we could be doing more with um, and because as, as I mentioned earlier it is a universal experience you know we might associate different meanings with those aesthetics that's not universal but the experience of responding to aesthetics is universal and so for me it's, it's kind of this interesting idea of this global phenomenon um, but also this kind of um, place specific cultural specific response as well which is a kind of really nice duality um, mm. as well that's much nicer than my definition <laughs> I'm happy I'm now no longer naive to the term um, I think it's another it's one of those things as well like when people initially think of design like if I say I'm a designer they think of like apple or um, app design or something like that whereas I think it's like very similar to our degree right our degree global innovation design hardly anybody is doing anything like that and it's much more yeah. about like the deeper understanding of understanding people and relationships and communities um so i think that's really really nice um just before we finish i just wanted to ask what you're doing next where's the project going what are you planning on doing with yourself yeah so at the moment um so i'm looking at the moment to kind of take the project forwards um so I'm looking to kind of work with related projects, um, so particularly with a focus on, I suppose, urban development and placemaking, um, kind of trying to create social impact. So I'm, yeah, really open to um, anything that means that I could continue this project. So I feel, as you can probably tell, quite passionately about it. It's something that I'm really, really interested in and I believe in. So yeah, I'm looking for kind of opportunities to continue it. Really, um, I'm going to be doing kind of um, an online campaign that I'm going to be working on in the background so that's going to be a kind of digital presence I'm going to try I'm trying to kind of keep this conversation that I've started going trying to develop more of a public conversation around aesthetics um, yeah so that's that's what's next at the moment but cool no five-year plan yet so yeah <laughs> join the gang um yeah. so if we have anybody listening who has been inspired by jess's project and resonates with the ideas that she's spoken about um 100 feel free to contact you right you're happy for people yeah, to contact absolutely. you Please um, do. with any opportunities or even to hear more about what you're working on um and where can we find you you're on instagram portfolio yeah anything. on instagram um there's the project instagram which is aesthetics of place um LinkedIn. I've got a website which is jessicarelli.co.uk. Um, also, so you can contact me on there. But I'm very much um, available and happy to talk about anything else. So yeah, cool. And we can put all your details in the description so people can find them easily. Brilliant. Amazing, Jess. Thank, thank you. you so much for being the first guest on the podcast. You did amazing. Thank you for doing it. Great. Thank you. Bye. Wow, what a great first episode. I absolutely love Jess, I love her work. You'll know exactly what I mean by the colorful, playful pictures that you see. Um, make sure you go and check Jess out and make sure you look through our other episodes. We're gonna have 10 other episodes speaking to different students from GID. So if you like this one and you're interested in hearing more about global design projects, then be sure to go and listen. Obviously you can find us at the RCA virtual show. The link for that is in the podcast description. And there's lots of other events that the GID students are running alongside that too. Uh, thank you so much. I am now gonna get back to uploading my work to the RCA portal. Uh, wish me luck with that. Uh, have a great rest of the day. Bye.